Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Colton Brinner, the founder of Scrappy AF Solutions, who specialize in creating high-impact messaging and market-disrupting strategies. Now, listen up for tips on how to be more creative. Thanks for downloading. Now, modern digital marketing means that we're feeding algorithms with content all day long to get attention and clicks and hopefully some sales and leads as well. It can feel like a never-ending cycle of chucking out content and our creative juices can stop flowing, especially when we're staring at like thousands of templates from Canva or MailChimp or something. In this episode, I'm talking to the very creative Colton Brinner, who specialises in doing things a little bit differently while still getting results. Now, we talk about feeding those algorithms, being more creative, and the need to experiment a little bit more. You can find Colton at scrappyafsolutions.com. That's scrappyafsolutions.com solutions.com and also on LinkedIn as well. There's links in the show notes. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. I'd love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media, subscribe via your favourite podcast app, just check out uh, all the links, more podcasts at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Colton was if he thinks creativity is suffering as we try to feed these algorithms. I do. I I mean, just witnessing kind of what's out there on the internet, I feel like that's definitely happening. Uh, creativity is suffering. I think it's actually mostly because we're not putting due focus on the content creation itself, meaning um, putting the right resources towards it, um, prioritizing it in the right ways, asking asking the people within our organizations that have great expertise, um, great personality to lean into creating content. Um, it looks to me, it seems like it kind of gets delegated a lot, mm-hmm. outsourced a lot. Um, and, you know, in organizations that keep it inside and assigned to the right people, it still gets sort of pushed off to evenings and weekends. Um, you know, it's not really being uh, prioritized. I think, you know, highly creative content can absolutely satisfy bots, right? Proper tagging, uses of key phrases, backlinking, filling in the titles and descriptions and captions on your images. I think that that all can happen at the same time, but only works if as an organization you have properly prioritized and even invested in the creation of great content, which I'm seeing happen less and less as it gets delegated and outsourced. It's kind of a tragedy, really. Yeah. Do you think there's some sort of hierarchy of importance where maybe the website is seen as really important and then maybe social media falls right down at the bottom pile and that's less important and this reflects the the level of the content that we're creating? Yeah, I I do feel that's happening. I also find that, you know, while this would sound maybe counterintuitive that uh, the regular sort of operations of an organization gets 99% of the focus and uh, leveraging the expertise and personality of the organization, kind of none. Um, so if you have your social media manager, for example, assigned to creating your content, well, you might get a lot of content that way, Yeah. but your audience might not find it very meaningful, um, very entertaining, very informative. So, you know, you've sort of left the the great asset of your company's intelligence on the table uh, and its personality, which is 
you know, sort of a shame. Um, yeah. You could put up really solid video on your website, as you said, prioritize that. But your website's not the first face of the organization. That's not sure. where they meet you. They meet you, like you're saying, in those social media channels, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera. Um, so if you have if you've done a really great job of putting personality into your website, that, that's sitting out in a desert <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Um, it, you really need to focus on bringing the same strength and investment in personality, in expertise, um, in your content and put that out through your social channels. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it quite like that, to be honest, with social media kind of being the front facing first contact yeah. really so so that really should be more important i i think it does need to be uh more important in terms of like if you say over the course of a year uh how much time or money you want to invest in creating content yeah you sure want the content on your website to be strong um because if it's you know you put up a great show in social media and people show up and you have a very weak showing in your actual property, your actual website. Well, that's yeah. not awesome. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you're, you're right. That's not where people are going to first see you. Um, very rarely does someone just enter your actual URL to show up at your website. They're drawn there by what you post through your uh, through your channels. Yeah, I, I hear from some social media managers who kind of feel a little bit forgotten at the bottom of the pile, the, the least amount of budget. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's, you know, the. The social media manager, in terms of the overall investment in marketing, yeah, uh, the social media manager sh should not be uh, ignored. <laughs> they really need to be empowered, actually, to to be a person who is responsible for coordinating with the expertise within your organization and the strong, the strong, and compelling. Let me put it that way: personalities in your organization, um, and when they go to your experts and ask for time in the creation of uh, a white paper, a webinar, a short video, whatever, it shouldn't be, oh, I'll get around to you. It should be that those experts, those operators in your organization have it as a part of their role, um, that they're measured by their participation in social media, um, that they are incentivized for their participation in social media, uh, because there's a lot of things that they'll benefit um, as individual experts, right? So you get better visibility, a better authority, better access. You know, if you as an authority have been bolstered through working with your social media manager and gained that credibility, that benefits you many in many different ways. And if your organization is structured such that you're incentivized to participate, uh, you're measured by your participation and cooperation with your social media manager, now you're really aligning uh, the assets of your organization to create great visibility for your expertise and personality in those social channels. So I would say if there's, you know, dollars being spilled into regular like banner ads or other uh, marketing channels, let's maybe think about how do we how do we rechannel those assets to support the activity of our of our most intelligent, uh, most experienced individuals with the best personalities to get out there in front of the public and, and represent us as the face of the organization. And that, that actually can mean you're going to shift dollars from, you know, basic ad spending to yeah. maybe hiring a couple more people to support those folks. Sure. Everybody's got an algorithm. The whole, oh, yeah. whatever, whatever content we see uh, and, yeah. and we engage with, it, it's decided by... Yeah. the the algorithm that that's sure. that that's what does it so whatever we see on facebook on 
on Google, whatever it is. So I think to flip this around the other way, do we actually yeah. need to be creative? Do we really need to be creative? Or is it really just about feeding these platforms, getting the clicks, making the sales? Uh, great question. I feel like this is a question that really comes down to quantity versus quality. Um, mm. Algorithms can get you visibility into to broader and broader audiences, right? Just mass numbers. Um, but when you have really demonstrated either a personality that people connect with or expertise that people desire, the, the real uh, effect of that is to get your audience to share that with more people because they want to look smart and they want to they want to look like they're associated with great personalities. So for me, satisfying uh, that those two needs of my audience is more powerful than satisfying the algorithms, right? So yeah, if if the people that I'm attracting are sharing my content, that's actually the real gold. If an algorithm has identified that you know people. Uh, have clicked on this or they've engaged with that in one way or another, that's also very powerful. But if you start with, how do I satisfy my audience? How do I, how do I get content to my audience that they're excited to share because it makes them look smart? It makes them look associated with great personalities. That's the first win. The, the algorithms are paying attention to when that's happening. So I would say rather than how do I satisfy this algorithm, it's how do I satisfy my audience? Start there and you'd be in a better position in the long run. So do you think that uh, even if you're, you're trying to be a little bit out of the box, thinking mm -hmm. wise, I hate that phrase, um, <laughs> and, and you're trying to do things a little bit different, uh, you don't think there is a situation where the algorithm might not, might not like that difference. So basically, nobody ever finds it and nobody ever gets to choose whether they like it or not. That's a really good question. Um, I would say, so again, if you're following the rules of uh, how to make whatever content it is attractive to bots, meaning you you have tagged your images, you've done a good job with your title, you've put backlinks in there, um, you know, these are the mechanics of getting content to shine. Yeah. You can still be very flexible and very, well, as out or in of the box you wish to be um, while you're doing that. So if you want to be controversial, if you want to uh, state something goofy, you know, so you're going to go the humor route, whatever you want to do there, uh, you know, really cut a new angle from the standard content in your industry, you can succeed on both fronts. So follow the basics of the rules for the bots and then express you, uh, yeah. express your organization, express the personality or the expertise that you have in whatever way that you have it. Um, people want to connect with something. So the more, you know, vanilla that we get, the more uh, sort of bot focused we become, the less people find that I have something to connect with. I would say you can absolutely do both. Yeah, because we're discovering media in a different way. If we go back to like radio and television days, when you were discovering media, then you'd be flicking through channels, wouldn't you? Sure. One after the other, after the other. And you might find something that was a bit out of the out of the, the blue and it was completely different. But then you, you had found it and you got the choice in your head to think, God, this is rubbish or, or, <laughs> or I quite like this. Whereas right. nowadays, you might not even get the chance to be found. Yeah, it, it's true. I would say, uh, you know, amassing a, a network of a few thousand people is pretty easy to do. Um, yeah. And if your yeah. content is powerful, that network can be leveraged. As you mentioned, what was the phrase you just used? Uh, something completely different reminded yeah. me of Monty Python, right? And now yeah. for something completely different. Yeah. Um, and people 
totally loved it. And sure. Monty Python is still uh, a darling of a brand uh, to this day because they were different and they didn't start off with a huge audience, but because they connected so well with the audience that they found, it spread very effectively. And, and all those same human rules apply in the environment of the internet as they did in the environment that existed back then. Um, the pandemic has, has kind of led to a, a big increase in content creation. I was talking to somebody a, a few yeah. weeks ago uh, who was saying they'd just done a, a research, uh, some research, uh, I think it was two or three podcasts ago, and it was saying that there'd been like a 40, 50% increase in content creation, yeah. huge increase. Yeah. Uh, how do we kind of avoid avoid this churn uh, mm. that we've just got to keep churning out social media posts, we've got to churn out blog posts, uh, and how do we create something more meaningful? Wow. Thank you for asking that question. Wouldn't we love everyone to sort of head that route? It is yeah. getting noisy and uninteresting yeah. um, out there. I think one of the first rules is stop restating the news. Um, I can get the news. And if you're an organization that has expertise, make sure I see that. Be insightful, be revelatory, controversial, be extraordinary, be educational. If you're just a channel that's that's capturing what's out there and feeding it to your audience because it might be relevant, you're not going to you're not going to be subscribed at least by me for long. Yeah. Um, and again, this is this this is what you find as symptomatic of organizations that are asking their social media managers to create their content, not just manage it, not to not to just manage the interaction of that audience. Farming out your content creations not going to work. Um, I, uh, I was looking at some research by the Content Marketing Institute said that only two thirds of content marketing programs prioritize their audience's informational needs over their organization's sales or promotional message. Sure, yeah, yeah. But, but they found that 88% of top performers do exactly that, right? So yeah. part of this is, is listening, listen first. Yeah. Um, the, the, the groups that I find that are cranking out the content that their audience is meaningfully engaging with is the one that has a strong relationship with their customers and, and is asking on a regular basis, what are you looking to gain insight into? What are the most important topics for you? What's the information that is most useful to you? And then building content accordingly. Um, just the posting, posting the next post to get something out there it doesn't hit anymore. Um, and if you sure. have to cut it back from uh, twice a week to every other week in order to make sure your content has been given the proper focus and investment to be meaningful, to be insightful, I would say do that. Yeah. Do, do you think we try and do too much? I noticed that there was, uh, there was a quote from somebody from Google the other day. I think it was John mm. Mueller saying that, said that, um, Google likes fresh content. So you can imagine yeah. everybody heading out there and it's just like, oh, let's churn even more out because yeah. it's got to be fresh. Google likes fresh. So if you've got a post that's like three weeks old, <laughs> you're dead. Uh -huh. it's, forget it. Uh, do you think that plays into it as well? Um, I, I suppose it can. Um, for me, what I would do oftentimes is I will create um, a pretty substantial piece and then um, I'll create several different posts, teaser posts, right? That, that capture small elements out of this piece. And um, the, the teaser posts themselves are valuable. And it's like, if you want uh, the other 10 uh, tips in this uh, piece, you can download it here, right? Mm. So it's, it's a combination of 
I am leveraging one piece of content over multiple weeks, but I'm also posting fresh content each week or twice a week by capturing snippets, valuable snippets out of that, that larger piece and posting them through my channels. So I think you really can do both, satisfy that freshness requirement, but also have something rich and meaningful that you spent time to build. There's lots of tools and bits of software and things out there to help marketing folk nowadays, and they're all oh, yeah. based on templates, sure. on default templates. You've got MailChimp yeah. and there's Canva. I mean, you, you can spot a Canva image like a mile away, can't you? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you totally. just see it. And you always know the MailChimp email because it's got the grey background when it lands in your mailbox. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do, do, yeah. Do, do, do you think we have to we have to use these templates better instead of just sticking to that default template? We do something more with it. Um, I I think if if I know that your brand has good stuff, I don't care what color the background is, and you know if it's come if it's associated with your name, with your brand, with your expertise, with your personality, that's what matters the most to me. I mean. Uh, if you're a Joe Rogan fan you, and the podcast has Joe Rogan on it, you know that the content is coming is going to be a fit for you. Um, yeah. There was a, uh, so I would say I do feel like templates are okay. There was a cartoon I remember when my my son was much younger called Phineas and Ferb. Hmm. And in every episode of Phineas and Ferb, basically it was the exact same story. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, but. That what was these, but these guys were enormously creative. They took, they they decided that every episode was going to follow the same arc, and they did it every time. And it was like, how are you going to do this? Uh, you know, a hundred different ways following following the same arc, and it became the fascinating thing about it was how they were going to follow the same arc and make it very creative while doing so. Um, so I thought that was absolutely fascinating. I would also say that, you know, what's been proven about creativity is that. Creativity without bounds, without mm. guidelines, without framework is actually pretty stifling. Yeah. Um, I think content creation needs to be like a genuine mission priority for an organization. And if you if you say like, within this framework, please create content, people can succeed there. If you just say, well, go ahead and create content, it's kind of like, oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah. where do I start? Where do yeah. I go? How do I do that? Um, yeah, so so using the templates is fine. If you've created a strong mental relationship, a strong emotional relationship between your brand and I know this is going to be good content, templates are tools that help you to be uh, efficient and I think you can use them. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned the cartoon because I think Friends, the TV show, work, worked a little yeah. bit like that. Uh, I remember watching some some sort of like nerdy TV show about it, and, and they were saying that they they worked out that every minute or every two minutes there had to be a laugh, there had to be a this, there had to be a the huh. other, and they wrote it to this specific um, framework, n knowing that this framework won. But but it was the the what what, you, what they had to do is to try and be creative within the framework, and that's yeah. kind of the same thing, isn't it? Which we're trying to do. It is, you know. So some of the I'll give some suggestions, some specific suggestions for how how to work within a framework when you're creating content, even even if you're operating within templates. So um, I, I call it so once you've selected a, a topic, and I do recommend interacting with your audience to figure out what topics you want to go for. Yeah. The next step I say is uh, tactic selection. So I'll give you some examples. Um, there's like counter narrative opinions, right? So right. an example of that is an article. Um, I, I can, I can give you the links on this later on. So yeah, sure. I'll put those in the show notes here. Uh, it doesn't have to be crazy to work is a good sort of title that would draw you in. That would be counter narrative, right? So right. 
going against the uh, the conventional thinking. So how do we go against the conventional thinking with this next piece? There's also data storytelling. An example of that is an article uh, that's called, we analyzed 22 of the biggest DTC success stories to figure out the secrets to their growth, right? So that's data storytelling is, is, a, is a framework. Uh, another one is uh, network connections. So an example of that is the founder's guide to discipline, lessons from fronts, uh, sorry, uh, lessons from whatever leader you want to say or yeah. something like that, right? So it's, it's a recognized, desirable network connection. Uh, another one would be a personal narrative, a narrative about, about the company or a person within the company. Um, this one was from Wistia. This is called How an Offer to Sell Wistia Inspired Us to Take on $17 Million in Debt. That sure. would get me engaged. That's a, that's yeah, a personal yeah. narrative. And then the last one is uh, industry analysis. An example of that is uh, an article called Ahead of Its Time, Behind the Curve, Why Evernote Failed to Realize Its Potential. So yeah. these are frameworks that can set you on a track. And within that track, you can be very creative. But because you've been given just that little bit of guidance, you're like, okay, I know what to do with that. So here's the topic, here's the tactic, and now I can create content. Yeah, and those titles aren't necessarily following the strict rules that we've all been told we've got to follow for titles which Google likes, because they've all got to be short and sweet, and they've got to be keyword heavy and whatnot. True that, true that. But uh, the, the most important thing that Google cares about is what people click on. Sure. That is the number one. So if you if your title is compelling, even if it doesn't have the keywords on it, people clicking on it is what makes it uh, relevant to Google. And if in the article you've done the good job of populating with the keywords and you've put your captions on your images and your titles in your images and you've put your backlinks in there, I think you're going to do well with that content. Yeah. Uh, do you know of any software tools, bits and pieces that can kind of help us stay fresh, maybe give us a few more ideas? Sure. I mean, I think there's like an overwhelm of tools out there. Yes. <laughs> uh, individuals are massively empowered uh, with super accessible, like graphic design tools, audio content tools, video production tools, um, you know, the Adobe suite, the content libraries yeah. like Shutterstock and Storyblocks. Uh, Fiverr is an incredible marketplace to get um, additional assistance. Do you know what I would say, though, is uh, before focusing on tools, Mm -hmm. Focus on on building your your creativity, your creative muscle. Yeah. Um, get awesome at combining things to create new things. Um, yeah. much like physical fitness, it uh, it is very possible to to build uh, your creative fitness. Uh, so you know while the tools are oh my, there's just too many. There's too many tools. Sure. That's great. And if you walked into a workshop and you saw a million tools and your your goal was to build furniture, it would be like, wow, I, I don't know what to do here. But if if you had strong creativity on your way into that workshop, your your likelihood for success goes way up. Um, yeah, I guess to answer your question very directly, the, the tools I use, yeah, they, they do include uh, content libraries uh, like Shutterstock and Storyblocks. Yeah. I have the, the full Adobe suite um, when sure. I'm creating. Uh, I leverage several different providers out of Fiverr and Upwork to support some of the uh, some of the work that I do. But creativity has to be first for me. And yeah, so it's it's, looking... kind, it's it's kind of the tools that don't really matter, really. It's what you're most comfortable using. Absolutely agree with that. Yes. So so the the, the creativity can be that's the important bit. That the tool's not going to be creative for you, even though they might tell you <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah. 
no, you said that you said that exactly right. I, I think I think you've got it. Yeah. Um, do you think we need to experiment a bit more? Because I, can't, I mean, I've grumbled about this on probably about the last six podcast episodes about, and I won't go on too much about it because people will be bored hearing it. But <laughs> con- content is looking the same everywhere, right? You've got the same big title, you've got a big picture, then you've got your jump links, you've got a little bit of a summary, and then it's big paragraph, short paragraph. It's big heading, short <laughs> paragraph, picture, big heading. Oh, and it's all done for Google, and it's the AI folks. Uh, feeding these ideas and these outlines to people and they're they're doing it so do you think we need to experiment more and be a little bit more open to our content failing and not working well first credit to you because uh you've just recited exactly <laughs> the template and and the ideal content uh format so you've clearly been yes. paying attention yeah. um but so, everybody's doing it aren't they and, and everything they then looks exactly the same yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It, it does. There's a lot of uh, homogenization going out there. Uh, everybody's working towards this convention and norm. Um, so I'm still, I'm still confident that in in any framework, creativity can thrive. But I, I would say absolutely yes. More experimenting is needed. Um, true. And uh, I think that you know, if the question is. Uh, do we need to be more open to failure, right? Because I think creativity is a big part of creativity is experimentation, and and a, another big part of creativity, if it's like the the uh, the one two punch of creativity, is that boldness, um, which is maybe yeah. just another way to say a willingness to fail. Yeah. But I think you really need to, in this case, define failure. Uh, so, like, if you're all of a sudden finally being authentic in what you put out there, instead of just you know, vanilla, yeah. uh, and you suddenly lose 30% of your following. Yes. <laughs> if you were talking to me as your marketing strategist, I would tell you that's not a failure. Sure. I would say that's a massive boost in your audience alignment. And yeah. now, now what you're building is fans instead of, of viewers, yeah. um, advocates instead of customers, because you gave them, right, you gave them something genuine to relate to and they connected with it. Uh, the folks that bailed weren't really your people anyway. Sure. It's like it's one step back to take five steps forward if if you decide to to risk being yourself or decide to put some of your own creativity some some part of you out there, that's the win. And now 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 the people who are following you want to share because they're aligned with you. They want to share what you're creating because that's what they want to be seen as connected to. Yeah, I think um, a bit. I mean. You don't want people to experiment to the level where it kind of destroys people's businesses because um, that's big time failure. But being able to do things a little bit differently, I think, is good. And being open to the fact that if I publish this article, if I do this, you know, this series of social media posts mm-hmm. and nobody engages with it, we don't get any leads, we don't get any sales, it does nothing mm-hmm. for us. That's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? No, that's very valuable data. Yeah. Uh, especially if you manage to contain that within a short time frame. <laughs> yeah, because you never learn anything from things working, do you? You learn from the stuff that doesn't work. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and and if you, uh, I also find that the people who are experimenting more, what they'll find is by doing so, they 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 do find the things that don't work, and then they they find the things that work better. Yeah. So you might have been, you know, throughout twenty 2020, twenty, you twenty twenty one, you you're operating at a specific. 
uh, level with your key performance indicators, you're getting a certain number of likes, shares, views, comments, etc. Start pushing the envelope of experimentation and some of them will be 20% below the line. Some of right. them will be 20% above the line. That kind of learning is enormously valuable as you plan your content strategy for, for 2022. I could talk about this for hours. Um, fascinated by all the creativity side of things because I think we need to push a little bit more now because when the internet started back in the day, it was extremely creative. Yes. There was, I mean, there was all sorts going on because people were experimenting. They didn't really know what to do with it. And they experimented and there was some awful stuff going on, but there was some <laughs> really great stuff going on. And I think we might have lost that just a little bit, just a little bit, maybe. Do you think? I agree. Yeah. I, no, I, I, I do agree. I think that, um, wait, so Google is king. Um, yeah. and, and so many of the points that you've made in this conversation, how do I satisfy the king? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, risk is an issue. People do get a little adverse to risk. My, as a marketing consultant, my orientation is really more around early and mid stage. Um, sure. you know, where risk is inherent and being bold is, is part of the, part of the job. And, you know, as organizations mature, that balance of, of risk versus safe needs to shift. Um, and, and in some ways I would say that a very large incumbent, uh, mainstay is not a super strong fit for my kind of consulting. But sure. if you're, if you're trying to capture market share from incumbents, you're, you're, you're new, or you're trying to take a fresh direction, that's probably more what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, there are, I, I think that people can get maybe a little confused. <laughs> yeah. When you look at something like a great example would be like, uh, do you remember, do you remember when Nike did their uh, dream crazy campaign? Yeah, I think I Colin do. Kaepernick? Yeah. I think, yes, 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 yes. Um, so that campaign was very well planned and sure. The idea that Nike was taking a huge risk with this was really just how the public perceived it. Nike did all their homework before that campaign went out. Um, yeah. when, you're, when you're playing with something that looks as, as bold yeah. uh, as the Nike Dream Crazy campaign, you, you know that in the boardrooms, et cetera, people want to be certain this is not gonna crater the organization. Sure. Uh, but it was actually a bold thing. So you can be bold and safe, I guess is my point here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ultimately, that campaign brought 2.7 million brand mentions on social media in, in just the first week, which was about a 1,400% increase from the prior week. Right. And because it had that boldness, the, uh, the visibility that they got through uh, just news channels talking about it if you sort of ran the equivalence on how much you'd have to pay to get that kind of visibility yeah, yeah. was damn near 50 million dollars worth of visibility just because it had enough boldness to get people in the news to talk about it for free well free yeah. to them anyway yeah that's great that's very powerful i think that what happens is boldness can exist in a company from day one um all the way through to uh like a very mature organization that's become an industry incumbent, but it's the amount of preparation, calculation, and cautious planning that goes into it that sort of is different when you're a very young organization. You just 
yeah. shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, yeah. And then when you're much more mature, you have to be uh, much more pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. I could chat for hours about this. Um, where can we find you, Colton? Where's your website and all your social media bits? Well, uh, my website is uh, scrappyafsolutions.com. Cool. Yep. And then uh, I think if you're really trying to find my content on social media, the best place to focus is LinkedIn. Colt right. Briner on LinkedIn is where you'll find me. Fantastic. I'll leave links in the, in the show notes and that. Uh, Colton, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Colton for his time. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.